I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Today's episode is brought to you by my other podcast, Smartest Person in the Room. Smartest Person in the Room is a series-based show, so not weekly like this one, and it is on hiatus right now. But this spring marks a year since we embarked upon our bias series, eight episodes of conversations between me and my dear friend Yasmin Dunn. We are talking through several angles of racial bias in America, and these are real conversations between us, so they're imperfect, sometimes messy, they are definitely challenging. But I am grateful that Yasmin pushed me to do that series about racial bias. I learned so much from her and the other people we spoke with, and I am so glad that we put it out there. But the nature of the internet is that things live forever and also that they get buried. So I wanted to point you towards that series and its subject matter as something to check out, something to binge perhaps. Search for Smartest Person in the Room in your favorite podcast app or go to smartestpersonintheroom.com and click Bias Series under the Episodes tab. Now to today's prompt. What is your mantra? This is an especially fun one because listeners have chimed in with their own mantras. I ask about this on social media and I got a great response. I love hearing from you guys. I love putting you on the show. If you want to answer a prompt for one of these episodes, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook at 10 Things to Tell You. That's where I put the call out for voices. So, what is your mantra? Do you have a mantra? The definition of a mantra is a word or sound repeated to aid concentration in meditation, or just a statement or slogan repeated frequently. I think of my personal mantras, I have a few that I'll share here, as something to come back to, something to center you. Whether it helps you with your priorities or your attitude, mantras are words to live by. The first thing that comes to mind if someone were to ask me my own personal mantra, it comes from something that I heard on Oprah. (laughs) I know. I think I was in college. This was a really long time ago. And I think I'm pretty sure Dr. Phil said it, which maybe I should be embarrassed about, but I am not because these are wise words. They have served me well, and they have served every single person that I've preached at using them which if you know me in real life, I have probably said this to you. It is, you teach people how to treat you. 
I heard this at exactly a time in my life, early adulthood, when I was getting walked on a little bit, when I was still unsure on the boundary between being polite and being a pushover. And this phrase, it just rang so true to me. It went straight in like an arrow and I repeated it and repeated it to myself until I lived by it. And then I could repeat it to others when necessary. You teach people how to treat you. This applies across so many areas, with your parents, with your friends and your spouse, even, yes, even with your children. You are always showing people what's okay and what's not. We do this indirectly mostly and subconsciously mostly. I cannot think of the last time that I actually uttered the words, don't treat me this way. (laughs) That would have to be kind of an extreme experience. But in small moments every day, we're showing our boundaries or lack thereof. We show them by our responses, how and if we text right back. We're teaching people that we're always available. And maybe we want that. I want certain people in my life to know that I'm available for them at any time. But I don't want everyone to think that. So if they text me after 8 p.m., let's say, I won't text back until workday hours the next day, maybe. I am teaching them not to expect all hours of communication from me. Sort of a universal example, but what about if you have a friend who is consistently running a half hour late? You can choose to accommodate that or not, but she is teaching you how to treat her as a late person, which means you tell her the reservation is a half hour earlier than it actually is, so you're all on time, or You choose not to have lunch with her so much anymore because it just eats up too much time. Either way, you're each teaching people how to treat you. There are a million examples of this from the fairly frivolous ones that I just mentioned to really deep relationship issues of how you're allowing someone to treat you. By not standing up for yourself, you've taught them that that's okay. But remember, as much as you're teaching people how to treat you, They are also inadvertently, or purposely, I guess, teaching you how to treat them. Think of the people in your life who command the most respect. Is that an accident? I doubt it. Think of someone who gets walked all over like a carpet. Is that an accident? It is not. Dynamics are set up between all of us all the time. So again, if you know me, you have heard this from me, and probably more than once, It has become a real-life mantra for me. I return to it time and time again in all sorts of situations. Sometimes if I'm really frustrated with something or with someone, and I'm trying to work out how to fix it or change it, I have to realize what part of it I am allowing and work backwards. You teach people how to treat you. Thank you, Dr. Phil, via Oprah. Hi, it's Kirsten from Austin, Texas. My personal mantra is, what are the facts? Years ago, I was dealing with anxiety that I couldn't get a hold on, and I needed a way to filter through the assumptions and feelings and lies that were going on in my head. And so I started verbally asking myself, what are the actual facts? And it helped me sort through what was true and what wasn't. Today, I still use it for media and news and situations with my kids or friends, and it's super helpful every time. This is Mandy from Minneapolis, and my mantra is always be bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind. I mainly use this with my kids, but it 
does come in handy when I'm in sticky situations with other adults. My name is Anna. I live in Hawaii. My mantra is go slow. I repeat this often because I tend to do the opposite. I am someone who likes to rush through things. I am impulsive. I often act before I think. And so I have learned as I've gotten older that I am actually happier when I go slow. I think, I stop, and I plan. And then I'm happier with the outcome. I'm Amanda. I'm from Athens, Georgia, and my mantra is you are free. I tend to be the kind of person that struggles with forgiveness or allowing things in the past to negatively influence my present. And so these words remind me that the only person I enslave when I feel those things or I hold on to those things is myself. And I want to stay free in the grace and love that God has given me and extend it to other people. And that's what this reminds me of. Hello, I'm Heather from Oregon. I am actually in a bathroom recording this because it's the only quiet place in my home. My mantra is take really good care of yourself. And I feel like this is so because it's always the only thing I can do as a person who feels responsible for all of the things a lot of the time. I'm Ashley from Atlanta, and my mantra is where there is a will, there is a way. As a wife, a mom, a teacher, and just as a woman living in this world, I have come to realize that if I want something, if I have the will to do something, there's some way to make it happen. It may look different than I expected. It may be harder than I expected. But where there's a will, there's a way. So years ago, when it started to become popular for people to have a word for the year, this became a big thing during the blogging heyday, when it felt like people would choose these inspirational words for the year and they would tie everything back to that word. Back then, this did not make any sense to me. This is funny now because I actually chose a word of the year both last year and this year. But we're talking about when all this craze started, or at least when I became aware of it. And choosing a single word back then baffled me. So I was a blogger and writing out my feelings on the internet regularly, pretty much like I do now, same but different. And I decided during that time to pick phrases for the year instead of words. And what started out as kind of a gimmicky thing, it really became a mantra. It felt good to have a unifying theme for the year. And now I really enjoy this practice. I don't think you have to commit to a whole year for this type of mantra. I think you could do a season. Like this is going to be our summer mantra for the family. Or maybe around a milestone birthday, around the holiday season. To have a mantra, a word, a saying that you come back to when you're overwhelmed or when you've lost sight of what the priority is here. This practice can actually be really grounding. The first one I chose, honestly, it's been nearly 10 years now. I still use this one. It's start where you are. I realize this is a famous saying. I obviously did not come up with this. There are multiple books written around this title, although I had not read any of them when I first started saying this to myself. But start where you are is a good phrase for me because I can let my anxiety get the most of me. And it's paralyzing sometimes. I'm not sure how to take the next step or 
As Emily P. Freeman would say, I am not sure how to do the next right thing. So start where you are works for me to just put one foot in front of the other. I cannot get caught up in a big overall goal. I cannot think three steps ahead. I just have to start where I am. And where I am is in the middle of a messy closet or launching a podcast when I haven't figured it all out or booking the plane tickets and figuring everything else out later. Start where you are not only makes me start the thing, it also forces me to take stock of where I am, (laughs) which sounds simple, but sometimes you just aren't exactly sure where you are. Are you at the beginning of an idea or at the end of it? Are you a few steps down the wrong path or are you headed in the right direction? You're just stuck. Where are you? Where am I? (laughs) This is something I also say quite a bit. Start where you are really covers more ground than you might expect. The year after I wrote so much about Start Where You Are on my blog, I chose a new theme the next year that kind of went hand in hand with it, and that was Set the Tone. I had tiny babies and our life felt chaotic and completely out of control. I felt like I was treading water in every aspect, and someone had impressed upon me the idea of the mother setting the tone in the household. Now, I was not sure if this advice was supposed to make me feel better or worse because the tone in our household at the time was really frenetic, but it did give me something to latch onto. Because if you are able to set the tone that you want in your space or in your relationships, then a lot will fall into place after that. So I started then to be really deliberate about the tone around the dinner time hour, around my alone time, I would sort of set the vibe and hope that body and spirit would follow. And most of the time it did. This can mean whatever it means for you, depending on the tone you're trying to set. If you want to play a certain kind of music or light candles, decorate in a way that gives off a certain vibe, whatever makes sense here. This is also true for parties. We entertain a lot, and my husband Jeff is the one who taught me that we set the tone for the party. We can have the most beautiful decorations and yummy food, but if the hosts are grumpy or snippy, that thing will be a drag. On the other hand, you can throw together pizza delivery and some Bluetooth speakers, and if the hosts are enthusiastic about the whole thing, it will be fun. I'm sure we've all attended both of these types of events with both of these outcomes. Now, you can do everything in your power to set the right tone or start where you are, and things may still go south. But if you're flailing a little bit about how to turn around a bad day or a funky mood or a weird situation, both of these mantras are something to grasp onto. And to me, that is the usefulness of a good mantra. You repeat it over and over until something shifts. The energy changes. And then maybe you never need to use that one again. Maybe it served its purpose with you. Or it can be something that brings you back to center on and off throughout your life. I cannot wait to hear from you and what your mantras are. And if you aren't sure, take some time to sit with a journal and just think of themes that have come up through your life. Maybe ask your loved ones, what's something you say a lot? 
I also think if you ask friends, what's your life mantra or your parenting mantra or something like that, you'll really be surprised by their answers. It will probably illuminate better who they are and what baseline they're coming back to. Hey, Laura, I'm Keely, a listener from Oklahoma City. And the mantra that my husband and I use all the time is never stop starting. Pretty much anything that requires discipline is not our strong suit. So whether it's exercise, eating right, reading our Bible, um, being intentional with our kids, if we go into it knowing that we might fail, we just tell ourselves, never stop starting. As soon as we stop starting, that's when we've truly failed. Hi, Laura. This is Alana from Birmingham. My mantra is, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I always say to go with your passion and the road will take you exactly where you need to be in life. I'm Gail from Pittsburgh. My mantra is, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I used to be extremely paranoid about irrational terrible things happening to me and when I started using this mantra after a while my fears went away. Hi my name is Amy Sue and I am from Oxford Mississippi. My mantra is it takes so little to be above average. Joan in Missoula Montana and my mantra when I'm doing hard things like single parenting without my husband or working out in the gym is I'm doing it somehow getting my feet out of bed when I have a fussy kid or it's earlier than I want it to be and it's time to hit the road for the school bus. It just keeps saying I'm doing it and somehow it makes it happen just a tiny bit easier. Hi Lara, my name is Louise and I live in Washington DC. For many years now my mantra has been the famous quote by Theodore Roosevelt, Comparison is the Thief of Joy. I think about this a lot as it's so easy to look at other people's lives, see how ours differ and think we should be doing something different. These words remind me not to compare myself to others and to be grateful for my unique path in life. Hello, I'm Emily from St. Charles, Missouri. My mantra lately has been just be kind to yourself. I find it helpful when I'm in an overwhelming situation for my first action step to be something small. I choose to give myself grace and space. This can be as simple as drinking a glass of water, breathing deeply, or taking a walk down the hallway at work. If I extend that space to myself, I am more likely to extend it to others, to actually feel my feelings, big or small, and to let things go. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.